Thanks for tuning in to the audio edition of our Sunday sermons. For more information about Cornerstone, visit cornerstonerome.com. I want to share today, this is the first of the ten, and I titled this message today, The Pathway to Priority. And the reason every one of these messages are going to have something about the pathway in it, or a path, because all of the Ten Commandments are built upon a pathway to all, basically, any relationship you have either with God or with people. That's the bottom line. And if you know anything about a path or a pathway, it's designed to get you somewhere. Now, I don't know if you've ever been lost or if you are directionally challenged like me, but I don't mind admitting it. For every guy in the room right here, God, I can't believe you just said that. I don't care. I'm past it. It doesn't matter. I don't care if you think less of me, if you think I'm not a man. I don't know. If I've not been there, I can't tell you how to get there. Without GPS, Siri, or Alexa, man, I am lost. I am lost, terribly lost. And when we first got married, I thought that I knew, like every other man, I know where I'm going, bless God, woman, I know where I'm going, be quiet, you know, kind of thing. I'm the man, I turn left, when I turn left, I know where I'm going, you know. That doesn't work. I mean, we drove so many times. One time we went to pray for this kid. He broke his arm. We were still doing, we didn't even have children at the time. And so this kid broke his arm. I think he broke something. I can't remember. We went and prayed for him. And it was out towards Alabama area, you know. And you turn down, like, going towards Cave Springs, this 100 thing. And it was one of these back roads, right? They live way out. And we got the instructions, got the address. We got there fine because I had that. But my mind said, I think we were going either to the lake after that or something. But in my mind, I thought, well, the sun sets in the west. So if you go left, go come out of the drive, let's go left towards the west, we'll get there. I don't know why I thought that. My wife sweetly says, honey, I think we need to go back the way we came. Well, it doesn't make sense, honey. We're going to go all the way out this way. And then we got to turn left and go all the way down one to get out here to 20 and then go left. Why don't we just go now? It would be much better, much faster. You know, it's like the all roads lead to Rome. I was thinking, well, all roads west must go to Alabama, you know. I am not making this up. People think they know where this restaurant is because you've heard of the new one. If you've been to the fishing hole over in Cedar, Center, Alabama, uh, how many of you guys have been to this restaurant? Anybody? Anybody in here? Okay, a few. Okay, you haven't been to the one I'm telling you about, though. That's the new one. I bet you no one. There's only one person I've ever met been to this place that we went to. We got on this back road, and we passed this farmhouse ten times. Ten times we took different roads, and it kept bringing us. It was like the twilight zone. It was freaky weird. I was about to get out on the 11th time and knock on the door, but I was afraid if I did, I may not come back. I didn't know what was going to happen. We found a restaurant called The Fishing Hole, an orange building. I, I have no idea today how to get there. I've Googled it, tried to find it. The only one I pull up is the new one. It, it's not, I don't know. It, it's not a dream because you can ask Haley. It really happened. But you know, the whole time she said this to me, I told you, we should have turned and went the way we came. It's like Siri or Alexa, recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. And my wife is so sweet. Now, listen, I don't care if it was a snowstorm, a blizzard, a tornado, a hurricane, Armageddon coming down from this direction. If she said, I think we ought to go that way. I think I'd take on the Armageddon because she'd probably be right and it would hit this side over here. You know what I'm saying? I would go this way and follow her versus my thoughts of, I think it's this way. I'd be the one to get hit by the snowstorm. Directions are everything. And so many times as Christians, if we're not careful, we forget about the thing that God has given us, which is really directions. He's given us pathways. These are not principles. The Ten Commandments are not principles that were given to you to hold you into bondage. 
They were given to us to give us relational equity to help us have a great relationship with God and a wonderful relationship with people. So I want to read you the first one, and that's what we're going to talk about today briefly because it's pretty, this is the one that most of us, I think, we don't have much problems with, but let's listen to it anyway. Exodus 20, verse 1. And I'm giving to you the New King James because of the way it's written. It's more familiar this way, okay? But God spoke all these words, verse 1, saying... I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Now, I want you to get just this first sentence before we go much further. First of all, he says, God spoke all these words. Who spoke the words? This was not Moses. Matter of fact, most of the Jewish scholars will tell you this, that they heard the first two commandments, and that's when they freaked out and got away from the mountain. Only Moses went up you know, higher with God. God spoke these words. God wrote these words on tablets. These are not, matter of fact, these are not letters of law. These were, if you want to, if you want to get real clear on it, these are letters from God. And he said, I brought you, just so you know, this is not legalism. I'm the one that brought you out from the house, from the bondage of Egypt and the house of bondage. I brought you out of this land that was filled with sin And many gods, thousands of gods were in Egypt. And God said, I brought you out of that, and I brought you out of the house of bondage. And watch what he says, verse 3. And you shall have no other gods before me. God was not saying, I'm trying to put you under bondage. He was saying, I'm trying to release you from bondage. I mean, if he brought you out of bondage, and he got you out of sin... Why is he going to take you out, putting you in the wilderness, and put you back into sin and back into bondage? That makes no sense. If he locked you in bondage, he'd have left you where you was. But instead, he brought you out. Jesus brought you out of the land of sin. You're no longer inbound to the land of sin or into the house of bondage. You've been set free, my brothers and sisters. But Paul tells us this, don't let your freedom be an excuse to do whatever it is you want to do. Do you, see the, do you see the balance of what he's saying? So let me ask you a question. And I apologize, I have a little cough drop here, so I'm going to chew this up. But just participate with me. Um, how many of you have heard before the Ten Commandments are legalism or law? Would you raise your hand for me, please? It's not mean you admit it. Just, just raise your hand and say, I've heard this before. Raise it high so I can see it, please. Raise it high so your neighbor can see it. Hmm, look how many people. Look around the room. Okay. I understand that. And I understand why. That doesn't mean you believe that. I'm not going to ask you if you believe this. Let me break down an example for you so you can understand this. First of all, I don't believe their law, and I don't believe their legalism. And I can prove that to you theologically. I don't have time to get into all that. But um, I just so you know, everything in the Ten Commandments was written, and it's in Genesis before Moses ever was given anything to write down, and it's in the New Testament as well, every one of them. So if you're going to say that, this is not the Mosaic law. This predates that. Moses had to add things in. They had to add more things in because the people wouldn't follow the ten. Think about it. Part of the Mosaic Law, do you realize it actually tells you how to take care of your sewage? It does. It's in there. How you're supposed to take care of the sewage. You know why? Because the people were so rebellious. How rebellious do you have to be to not listen where you're supposed to put your poo? That's how rebellious they were. God had to give them law on how to take care of that. 
because they wouldn't listen to the simple things. My point in giving you this, let me give you an idea. Now, we, we talk about this, and I'm not picking. I just want you to hear my point. So let me give you an idea in the area of finance. Because people, people want to argue with me about different things. When we get into finances or ties or anything like that, and I'm not preaching on that today, just give an example. So hear me out. If the IRS, watch the difference between legalism and law and God's grace, okay? The IRS says to you, you owe taxes every year. Do you enjoy it? Come on, anybody here enjoy it? Yeah, nobody's happy about that. It's not fun, is it? But you pay it, don't you? Absolutely you do. And because you know why you pay it? Because if you don't pay it, what will happen? Come on, let me tell you. Let's know, we all know the answer. What's going to happen? You're going to jail, right? And you can say all day long, can you imagine a Christian, little Christian, little junior Christian coming up through there just, you know. But it's law. It's legalism. I don't like this. It's not fair. I shouldn't have to pay my taxes. It, you know, people don't like paying their taxes. But let me just throw out something to you. You do it because you know I will be arrested. Now, the other side of it is you also get benefits you in great ways. I know there's a, you could say there's a lot of waste. I understand. There's a lot of things probably that get spent wrong. I understand that too. Most people would agree. But you also would appreciate the roads you drive on, don't you? I mean, Georgia has some really nice roads. They really do. I've been on other streets and, you know, listen, we got some pretty nice stuff. It's not the best everywhere, but I'm saying there's things that you get for your taxes. There are other things you get. Watch this. Let me throw out the tithe for you a moment. God says, bring all the tithes into me. Bring me the 10%. You don't do it. You don't go to jail. It is a choice. Listen very carefully this morning. God is the only one in your life giving you choice. He gives you the results and says, these are the consequences if you don't do these things. But I'm the one that's giving you options and choice. I'm not going to shackle you up. I've already brought you out of the shackles, baby. I'm not going to put you back in the shackles. But because of this decision or that decision that I'm telling you, don't do this or do this. Here's the benefits or the cause and effect of these things. We put ourselves in certain situations. It's not God. But you see the difference between legalism and law. Law has a result that says, if you don't do this, boom, this is happening. Jesus said, if you don't do this, the consequences will happen, but it won't be because I'm putting you back in the shackles. It's because you yourself ignore my commandments. Let me break it down to you a little bit further. So God did not call these the Ten Commandments. In our culture, commandments is kind of a negative word, isn't it? I mean, how many times do you order your waiter around when you go today and go get some lunch? Will you tell your waiter, hey, I command you to go get me a Coke? Are you going to do that? No, they're probably going to be like, yeah, well, you command all you want, Jack, but you'll get it yourself. How about that, huh? Or they call the law, kick you out or something. Nobody's commanding people. You ever tried that with your spouse? You ever tried it with a boss? Hey, here's another thing. As, a, as an employer, have you ever tried that with an employee? I command you to be here at 8 a.m. That doesn't work. You can, have you can have consequences for them not being there on time, but no one is going to respond to anyone saying, I command you to do anything. I'm not going to. I don't have anybody that listens to that. So the commandment word has a little bit of a negative tone in our culture because it's English. So I'm going to break it down for you and give you the background of this word so you understand what God is talking about, okay? The word commandment is an English word that we get from a multiple 
combination of Greek words that they took from a Hebrew word. This is a, a big connection of words, but just hang in there, okay? And let me, let me give you the example of this. A commandment in Greek, I'll put it on the screen for you, is the word entole, and it means prescriptions. Oh, now, we know what prescriptions mean, don't we? Everybody in here knows what a prescription is for the most part. But it's also a combination of another couple of words. It's the word entolomai, which means to give charge or to give a command to, to enjoin. I'm going to put all these, two, these together for you in just a moment. The word is prescriptions, given charge to, given command to, to enjoin together. It sounds like a pharmaceutical directive from a doctor, doesn't it? The doctor gives you a, a Z-pack and says, here's how you take this thing. Five first day, four the next day, three times two, three minus one, whatever the combination is. You all know what I'm talking about. If you ever had an antibiotic, it's kind of, I have to mark down how I'm taking the things. Like, what, is today the third one? Today's the second minus whatever it is. I have to keep up with it or I get them mixed up. I did this one time when I first had a Z-pack. I got so sick. We're just, as again, this is a young husband. Let me tell you something. Actually, if you're married for a little while, you realize how smart your, your wife is. But she was telling all the ladies, that was your moment right there. You just missed it. You just missed it, ladies. But I remember the first real antibiotic I had to take that, I, that was like this. It was a, you know, you, here's the, the numbers of the tablets you take each day for this many days and all that kind of thing. I remember after day two, you know, you feel like you're about to, you know, just knock out. And, and after day two, those antibiotics kick in and you start feeling like some juice again. You're like, oh, I mean, I feel great. I told my wife, I said, baby, I feel awesome. She goes, that's great. And I said, man, I'm just going to save the rest of these for later. <laughs> I'm not the only one, right? Okay. She says, you can't do that. You got to take every one of them. I was like, why? I mean, I feel awesome. I mean, I felt like Superman. This is, I mean, I was running around the house doing stuff. She's like, what is wrong? I feel great. Wow. You know, she said, you can't stop taking them. I'm thinking, woman doesn't know. Save these for later, man. These things are great. Put them up in the cabinet. Next time I feel bad, I'm going to pop a few of these. Doesn't work that way. Put those things up in the cabinet. Next day, you're still feeling pretty good. You think everything's cool? by the next day, it's even worse than when you started. And you're like, what happened? And this is what's so crazy about these things. You can't just start taking them again because now you got you don't have enough to finish the cycle. So you got to eat crow and go back to the doctor and say, you're the fool who didn't listen to the doctor. Can I have some more antibiotics? What happened? Well, I didn't finish taking what I was supposed to take. Why didn't you listen to me? Now, your wife knows you're an idiot. Your doctor knows you're an idiot. And you learn after that to always follow through the cycle. You never get off of the thing before it's time. Watch this. God's words, the Ten Commandments, it's the word prescription. It is not a legalistic term. Now, there are legalistic terms in the Mosaic Law, but this is not that. A doctor has given charge to you on how to apply the prescriptions to your life. He's given you the power and authority to follow through with the prescriptions in your life. He's commanded you to enjoin those prescriptions with your life so that why? So you'll get off the couch and feel better again. God has done the same thing with these commandments. They are simply prescriptions that if we take and enjoying the way he says to do them, and the manner in which he says to do them, the results are peace. Relationship with God, relationship with others. 
Now, that's not as far as it goes. It actually adds another word in here. You're going to love this. The other word is this. Another Greek word is telos. It's all combined. All three of these words mean commandments in our language. Do you see how much we miss by just saying it's the Ten Commandments? And it sounds even worse when you see Charlton Heston do it. Moses from the mountain. I've got the Ten Commandments. It sounds like, oh, my mercy. Everybody's like freaking, I'm so scared now. Why? Because that's freaky. Because all we hear is commandments. What if Charleston would have said, hey, I got 10 prescriptions here, but if you do what God says do, life and liberty will come. It's going to be a lot more healthy for your life. It would have been a little easier to digest, I think. But this word tell us, listen to this. It means to set out for a definite point or goal. Man, when I took a Z-Pack, you know what the goal was? I felt like death's door. It just make me feel better. I don't care if it was, look, I'd have drank, you know, whatever they gave me the worst. What do they say, castor oil or whatever people used to take? I don't know. Anything, when you're that, you take anything. You don't care. For why? To feel better. The commandments are prescriptions given charge by God on how to take them. When you join them to your life, it is for a designated goal or result in your life. Bottom line, that's the word commandment right there. It's a prescription from God to make you basically feel better. Jesus used the word commandment. Listen how he used it. In referring to a relationship in Scripture, this is the same word. I'm going to give you commandments. This is the same word over and over throughout the Bible. Jesus said this in John 14, 21. He said, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And watch this. Because you keep my commandments, he says, I will love him and I will disclose myself to him. That means God, because of the commandment, if we keep close to him, keep the commandment, he's going to reveal himself to you. That's why I said earlier, listen, I don't know who you are in here, but maybe there's something God's asking you to do. And the reason he's tapping on your shoulder and saying, hey, I'm wanting you to step out and do something, and I don't know what it is, but you can trust he's going to follow through with that if you stay close to him and keep his commandment. And his commandments are many in the, in the New Testament. Let me just break this down to you. If you want to really know the difference between the Old Testament and New Testament, let me show you the numbers. In the Old Testament, I'm going to back up a little bit and give you a fact. From the Mosaic Law, and we are not under the law. I know that. I'm not saying that. We are not under the Mosaic Law. We don't follow the Mosaic Law. We're under Christ. Thank Jesus for that. You wouldn't want to go under the Mosaic Law. But listen to this. In the Mosaic Law, there's the dues, 248 dues that you ought to do for a blessing. This is the Mosaic Law. The don'ts, there's 365. I guess the Lord figured there was one for every day because there's one you shouldn't do, right? For a grand total of 613 things you should do or not do under the Mosaic Law. This is not what I'm talking about today. Now, they include the Ten Commandments, but that is not what I'm talking about. In the New Covenant, hang on to your hats. You might not like the New Covenant so much after I tell you this, but in the New Covenant... There are between, depending on how you read your scripture, 1,050 to 1,600 things you should do or should not do in the new covenant. You can break them down and put them under 800 categories approximately. So if we really want to talk about what's legalism, if it's based on what we should do and not do, then maybe we ought to look at the new covenant. Because there's more to do under that than there is under the old. But watch this, the beauty is this, now you're under Christ and he empowers you so you can actually do the things he asks you to do now. And the beauty of this whole covenant and the illustration that he gives us, 
His commandments, again, are prescriptions intended to help you. Proverbs uses the word commandment referring to instructions in Scripture. Listen to this in Proverbs 4, verse 20. He says, my child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Same word as commandment, okay? But this is the Hebrew version of this. Same identical definition. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them. And watch this. Health or healing to their body, their whole body. This is the word dabar. It's in Hebrew. I'll put it up there for you so you can see it. It means, simply means commandments. It's a Hebrew word, dabar. It's the same. This is where they pulled this from. The Greek went back. This is where they got it from. We got this from the Greeks. We called it commandments. And look how much you missed. Commandments is simply prescriptions. So in English, we would explain it, 10 commandments. But this is what God called them. He never said the word commandments. In your Bible, it says commandments, but that's not what that means. The word commandments in your Bible, when you read it, it's the word words. So technically, instead of 10 commandments from Mount Sinai, it would be, I got 10 words from God for you from Mount Sinai. Now, which one sounds more easier to digest? The 10 words. Does that change the way you think about the 10 commandments? Wait a minute, it's not commands. These are not commands, they're prescriptions. Prescriptions for living. And the word is from the Greek. They call it the Decalogue. And I'm, I'm putting it up there on the screen for you so you can see it. The Decalogue. And I, I spelled it. It's spelled different in Greek, but I'll put it up there in English so you can see it broken down. The word Decalogue, deco, which is ten, and log, which is logos, it means words. It's just ten words. No matter how you break it down, this is not a spiritual oppressive thing that God gave us. It was prescriptions. And he said, I got ten words for you, Israel. If you'll do these ten, you'll be blessed. I don't think it's changed. This is why people, whether you know Christ or don't know Christ today, Bible says, I have written my laws on their heart. We instinctively know what to do, right or wrong, in here. This is why when you were a kid, before you ever came to Christ, you knew it was wrong when you were stealing. You knew it was wrong when you were writing stuff on the walls you shouldn't be writing on. You knew everything you did, you knew it was wrong. Why? Because God has already given these things. And today, it's no different. So again, it's not legalism, it's instruction, it's boundaries, it's authority. So let me give you a positive and a negative outside of any other conversation we just had. Let's go all the way back to Genesis, okay? Positive and negative. Here it goes from Genesis 2.16. The New American Standard says it like this. It's a positive verse, positive. The Lord God, Genesis 2.16, commanded. It's the Hebrew word tzavah, tzavah. It means the same thing as prescription. So we could say it this way. The Lord God prescribed to the man saying, From any tree of the garden, you may eat freely. That's a positive sense, isn't it? I mean, if you was in a garden, it was filled with all kinds of things. I'm not a big tomato fan unless it's cooked or fried or cooked or fried. That's about it. I don't do raw tomatoes really unless there's a lot of bacon on the hamburger, cheese, lettuce, mustard, a little ketchup, mayonnaise, or something to drown out the tomato. I don't do a lot of tomatoes. I'm not a fan unless they're cooked or fried, right? So you're in a garden, and all you see is tomatoes. That's going to be terrible. For me, but God says, no, don't worry about the tomatoes. There's figs, there's pears, there's apples, there's whatever. Oh, great, I'm fine then. I don't have to eat the okra. No, I'm fine. It's a positive thing, right? Watch the negative one. Genesis 2, verse 17. But, everybody say but. From the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you shall surely die die. 
this is the negative command. But it's not negative in the sense of, I'm trying to put down your party. I'm trying to protect you. My prescription is the same. If my doctor tells me, Jody, take this Z-Pack. Now, while you're taking this Z-Pack, you might not need to take certain vitamins because they may counteract. Okay, that doesn't mean forever and ever now I'm no longer going to take my vitamins. It just means right now, he's given me a prescription for my medicine. He's given me a prescription to how to work, make it work best with what I eat and what I'm taking now. It's a positive and a negative, but both are intended to what? Bless my life. There's nothing negative about this at all. It's just the way that we view it. Here's a couple other important commands. Think about this. I'm just giving you a couple examples, and I'm going to wrap up here. This was an important command. I think you would agree. Genesis 7, 5. Let's look at this one, all right? Um, Genesis chapter 7 and verse 5, this is talking about Noah. We'll put this on the screen for you guys so you can see it because I want you to see what he says. Noah did according to all that the Lord had commanded him. Now, it might not have been so important with the animals. You know, I think he could have left the snakes off the boat. Anybody else with me on that? I'd have left the snakes. <laughs> I'd have been a disobedient little Noah right there. No, 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 you ain't getting on. You've created enough problems for all of us. You can just enjoy the water. Mosquitoes lined up. No, you ain't making it. Off, you know, you're out. Let's see what else. Crows and like black, what do they call them, big vultures and big, you know, things, those crazy looking birds and stuff like that. No, those things are creepy looking. Spiders? No, no, you ain't getting on here either. Bye-bye. Here, we got y'all raft. Put all y'all on the raft. We'll come back and get you later, you know. I would. There's a lot of things I would not have brought on the ark. But... Animals is one thing. It's another thing when God told him how to build it and how to put pitch in and out so that it didn't leak. Had Noah ignored that and said, this is legalism. (laughs) Think about it. And how many times do we do the same thing with God's word? Just because it happens to be referenced in the Old Testament doesn't mean everything is legalism or law. I'm telling you, this has been a burden on my heart for a long time. It bothers me when we use words like that if if we don't really know what we're talking about, especially to new believers. Because what might be freedom for you, my brother and sister, may be bondage to somebody else. And you've got to be cautious how you say, oh, we're not, you know, it doesn't matter, you can do that. It just depends. You know, Paul gave this instruction. The church had this instruction in the New Covenant. Don't have time to get into it. But they came out of a very Gentile background. They weren't like an area like us, very religious environment where you're at in the city that you live. Lots of churches. I could take you to cities up in Boston. I could take you to places in Detroit. And you wouldn't see a church for five or six blocks of miles of space. You wouldn't see a church. So you're very blessed on one hand. But on the other hand, it can, it can also entrap you as well. But when Paul, when they were preaching, other, other disciples were there and other believers, the apostles were out preaching. They came across these certain regions were very Gentile in their nature. They had never heard of God. They had no writings, they had no Bibles, had no books, had no Torah, nothing. They had never heard of the Mosaic Law. They knew nothing, nothing. They were idol worshipers. They were eating things sacrificed to the idols. They had temple prostitutes. They would go in and have sex, male and female, with temple prostitutes. It went on like crazy. They did not know there was anything wrong with anything they did. When it came to how they operated, because that was their culture. So they gave instruction to these individuals, gave them just three little simple steps. Now, I'm not going to get into all that today, 
But they pretty much said, hey, we felt like we seem so, it's good to us in the Holy Spirit. We lay no greater burden upon you than this, that you don't eat you know, food that's been sacrificed to idols. Because that stuff's been, you know, if you ever eat cow, eat some beef, eat the ones that wasn't sacrificed to the demons. You know, those cows in that pasture, they're good. These over here, they're freaky. Stay away from those. All right, don't eat that. Because they couldn't digest everything. You're not in that environment. I hate to tell you, you're in a land that is very religious. That means you have people that don't know Christ that probably know sometimes as much Scripture as you might know. So we need to understand what we're talking about. And I found this out to be true too. You don't get away with as much when you know what God says as those who do not. You hear what I'm saying? It's kind of go back to that Spider-Man statement I think his uncle told him, right? With great power comes great responsibility. When you know a lot, when you've understood things about God, and when you have an understanding of God like you do, everybody in this room, I promise you, you have a greater understanding of God. And if you, even if you think you don't, I bet you have a greater understanding of God than you realize. There's a greater responsibility on you than on someone who has no knowledge of God whatsoever. Y'all hear me? I'm not trying to, not trying to put a, you know, you know, more rain on your day today. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just telling you, there's more, respons- there's more responsibility on me. Let me just put it this way. There's more responsibility on me than there is on you for this church. Agree or disagree? Agree. Should there be? Yeah. Because I have to preach more than anybody else. I'm, I'm responsible for whoever preaches what they preach. If it's wrong, right, whatever. i got to be the guy who stands before God, not you. You get to go and say, well, I went to that knotheads church. I mean, <laughs> God will say, well, why? well, you know, you should ask him some questions sometimes or whatever. But ultimately, they're not, he's not going to say to you, well, now listen, when Jody preached this on this day, you know, what, I'm holding you responsible for what he said. He's not going to do that. I will be held responsible. Greater authority, greater responsibility. It's just the way it works. When you have a knowledge of God in the way that we know him, there's more responsibility on us. I say that to enter into what I said at the first of this message. The whole idea of enter and occupy. So let me, let me break this down. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, this is what God said. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 13. I'll put this on the screen for you so you can see it. But it says, He proclaimed His covenant, the Ten Commandments. Now, again, covenant, if you don't know this, the word covenant is used numerous times in the Bible. There was a covenant with Abraham. There was a covenant with Jacob. There was a co- there's covenant all throughout. This word covenant doesn't necessarily mean the law, okay? That is a part of it, but it's not everything. If you take the word the law and you say the Ten Commandments, it's all in there, and you it, it makes as it is as if the Ten Commandments aren't to be listened to. And that's not, the, that's not true. So don't, don't batch them all together. Understand what the word covenant means. It just means an agreement between God made an agreement with Moses and the people there, the Ten Commandments, which he commanded you to keep, prescribed them for you to keep, and which he wrote on two stone tablets. By the way, here's what I think he did, and people can say what they want. Thinking about covenant the way it works, there's always two. I think God put ten on one side of the tablet and ten on the other and gave two. One was representing man, one was representing God, and said, if you'll do your part, I'll do my part. I, think, I don't think he put three or four on this side and four or five on that. I think it was ten on ten and said, look, this is the agreement. Put one stone tablet for you. I'm going to keep one before myself. I, I know what's going on. My agreement, your agreement, covenant together, right? And he goes on to say this. He put it on the two stone tablets. And it was at that time that the Lord commanded me 
to teach you his decrees and and these regulations. So now Moses has been commanded, he's been instructed and been given the responsibility to give the prescriptions to the people. And he says, so that why? You would obey them in the land you are about to enter and to occupy. Now I say this because the word enter and occupy really got my heart and what God I think wanted me to wrap up today with. Whatever it is that God's given you to enter and to occupy, let me just remind us, when you go into the land that the enemy doesn't want you to take, there's always going to be giants there. Our students preached a fantastic message about giants, about Goliath. They did a great job just a couple of weeks ago, right? You remember that? Amen, that's right. Yeah, give them a hand. And so, and by the way, you saw just a portion of them. Many of them work behind the scenes. Some of them are behind the platform today. Some of them are working in kids and ministries. They're all over the place all the time. You just don't see them all the time. They're everywhere serving. So proud of them. They have a great message on Goliath and about how there's giants. There's always giants. Every time God says, go in, occupy the land in which I've given you, there's going to be giants there. So what does he do? He gives you his prescriptions or his word so you know how to take on the giants and defeat them. Because whether we like it or not, I promise you this, God doesn't give you a word to hold you back, but he gives you a word so that you can enter and occupy. But he also tells us this, you cannot handle that land without me. You cannot handle the land without me. You can't handle your marriage without God. You can't handle your children without God. (laughs) Maybe some more help. (laughs) You, You can't handle your job for those of you right now, maybe if you're stressed and have anxiety on your job, you're not going to be able to handle it without God. You can't handle anything in this life without God. But God will say, I want you to go in and occupy this. He'll put this on your heart and say, let's do this. But the only way you're going to succeed and thrive and defeat the enemy in your life, whatever it is, is if he's with you. You can't do it by yourself. To go in, to enter, and to occupy. So God brought them out. Exodus 20 and verse 1. Listen to this again. If God wants you to go in, enter, and occupy the land, does that sound like bondage to you? I'm telling you guys, listen. I think the enemy is trying to create something so that Christians won't move at all. Because religion worked for a season, it kept people in bondage to religion. You know, and I, and I understand if you came out of a very religious background and, and you, all you ever heard was a bunch of religious preaching and, and the dogma and the things that kind of held you down and you felt like, man, everything I did, if I chewed the wrong bubble gum, man, I'm in, I'm in sin. You know, if, if I wore makeup, I'm in sin. You know, if I wore pants and I'm a lady, I'm in sin. Whatever, there's all kind of things that's out there. I'm not talking about those things. If you came out of that, I could understand why. You want so much to enjoy the liberties that are in Christ. I understand that. But make no mistake, that is no different than anybody else that came out from under the bondage of sin. When the devil had his hand on them in sin. I mean, listen, I I know what I came out of. I know what God did for me. I I may not have had a religious oppression in my life, but I had sin oppression in my life. And when I got rid of that, I don't want to go back to it. I thank God for the freedom he's given us now. I'm not trying to diminish that. 
What I'm trying to say is I think the enemy is saying, if I can't get you in religion, then I'll push so far that you ignore the relationship. If I can't keep you in religion, then I'll put you so far out here that you think everything else in the Bible, that's law and that's legalism, so that way you can't enter into the land and occupy what I've given you. It's a deception of the enemy. And God said in Exodus 20, verse 1, as we wrap up with this again, you'll have no other gods before me. Listen to what he said. I, God, spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord, first of all, I am the Lord, your God. I'm the one who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. <clears throat> I personally think this, and, I, and I'm going to wrap up with these thoughts. I personally think this, that I think it's foolish to consider, consider God's word bondage and legalism. I just, I just do. I think it's foolishness because, and I'm not saying, listen, I'm not talking about going to Leviticus and trying to live your life by Leviticus, okay? If you read that, it'll show you pretty clearly we're not, we're not in that system anymore. But God has given his prescriptions for us. And I can tell you time and time again, I've been with individuals and I've prayed with families and I've listened to the heartache and the heartbreak and I ask questions, and we talk about things, and they ask me my opinion. I say, I'll give you my spiritual guidance on this. Here's what God's Word says. God's Word says this about your children. God's Word says this about your spouse. God's Word says this about forgiveness. Yeah, but you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what it's like to live with them, and you don't understand what they're like to me. I, I don't know that. I'm just telling you, this is what God's Word says. And how many times I can tell you, when people have told me, I just don't think I can do that. And I can't imagine sometimes how difficult it is to make the decisions we all have to make. You have to make tough calls sometimes. I get it. We all do. It is called pick up the, come on somebody, and cross and follow if there is no sacrifice, I'm telling you, there might not be much of a relationship there. My wife and I, there is sacrifice in our relationship. She puts up with stuff and me. She deals with, there is a lot of sacrifice on her part, more than I have to sacrifice on mine. I can assure you of that. If you have kids, you already know there is what? Come on. If you've got grandkids, you're like, that. people tell me that's the reward for not killing your kids. I don't know yet. I don't have any. <laughs> but there is no relationship you have in your life. If you look at it, ask yourself, the best relationships have the best sacrifice. That lady, I, lo I love that lady right there. Somebody, I can't remember um, the lady in their church. She's serving the church. She said, I've never met you before. I felt so bad about it because I, I thought, gosh, that's awful. It just happens sometimes like that, the way... We're in and out on Sundays and all. And I talked to her for a moment. She said, I just, I just love being here. I love, you know, listening to you. I said, oh, that's sweet. You know, she said, I love your wife. And I said, listen, I love my wife too. I'll tell you right now. Now, we can talk about that. I love my wife. I love my wife. I do. But there's great sacrifice between us. All relationship has great sacrifice. So I wrap up with this last thought. When God says he wants to be first in your life, I want you to think about this in the area of prescriptions, and we'll, we'll close out. When God says to you, or let's say a doctor says to you, here's the prescription to take, and here's how I want you to do it. Do you consider that 
to be legalism. I don't. I consider it to be wisdom. Man or woman's put a lot of time in, went to school a lot longer than I did, get a lot more letters behind their name. You might want to listen to those guys. Let me ask you this. If a coach gives a play, I mean, football season's coming up soon. Everybody's back in school almost, and any team sport, pick a team sport, doesn't matter, football or baseball or anything, but let's just say football for us just for the sake because it's coming up. But if a coach is, head coach is on the sideline, they've, they've got the playbook, they've given the playbook out to the guys, they've had it since spring training, they know the plays, they're supposed to know the plays, <laughs> right? Coaches, you pray to God they've got everything figured out. But nonetheless, you'll find out once you get back to school. They've got everything written down. Here's the playbook, they've studied it. The coach, the head coach, has given command to either a coordinator or to his quarterback, depending on how big, how big the team is, but he's given a command to somebody to execute that play. The quarterback stands up, and he's getting ready to call the snap. He's getting ready to call the play. He's been given the authority to execute the play that was designed by the head coach. And as he stands up to do this, he, he calls the play. Everybody's in motion. Everybody's doing their job. And then as soon as he turns around, he gives it to the back, but the back's not there. Why is the back not there? Because the back decided... That's legalism. I don't like that playbook. He's trying to, that coach trying to tell me what to do all the time, and I don't like it. So instead of running right, which he's supposed to run right, where all of his blockers are, he decided to go left. He misses the quarterback, runs this way. He's looking for the ball. The quarterback's looking over. Where are you going? He gets smacked by some big old guys, all because one guy decided, I don't like what's in the playbook. You're trying to tell me what to do. Now, is that really what's going on? It is not what's going on. I'm telling you right now, guys, listen to me. This is his word. His prescriptions. It's like a playbook. He's given his word to help us. And it's not a to diminish or to push you down. It's to elevate you and build you up and bless your life. And the Israelites said this. After they heard the Ten Commandments, when Moses went up on Mount Sinai and came back down, Aaron and them, they decided to build a golden calf, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And they just had a big old hoopla party, dancing going on, all kind of crazy things were happening. This happened. The people of Israel, some of the people of Israel, they got so scared and freaking out that some of them did not like what God said. They decided, let us go back to Egypt. They preferred their bondage rather than the liberty that was found in the prescriptions of God. And I'm just saying this morning as we close, and I ask our worship guys to come on up, I want to challenge everybody in our church this, okay? This, this is, and I say this with the greatest respect and, and the, greatest, um, the greatest respect I have and the greatest burden I have in my heart at the same time. Please don't look at God's Word as legalism. You can't control how a man or a woman has proclaimed His Word. That doesn't mean that God's intent was the way in which it was communicated. You understand what I'm saying? There's been some horrendous things that's been said in the name of God. You know that? I mean, Christianity doesn't have the greatest background if you look at the history. There's some really terrible things that took place when men said this was God's will, even in our own country. And so you can't look at everything that's been proclaimed and say that was God's intent. You've got to go back to the original author and ask yourself, what kind of God do you serve? Is he a God that really stands up there in, in judgment and is ready to hammer you on the head because you make a mistake? Or is he a God filled with wisdom like a doctor that has a prescription for your life?
then when he says to you, hey, I want you to do this, it's not to put you down. He's actually trying to bless your life. He's trying to restrain things from you, protect your kids, keep you safe, give you wisdom. They're all prescriptions this morning. And so I don't know where you are this morning with this and God being first. But Egypt had over 2,000 gods. They had less than, I don't know, maybe 70 or so primary gods, but 2,000 little mini gods. They had gods everywhere. They worshiped all kinds of things. And we don't have that same culture here, but if you're here this morning and God's not first, and I simply say that to mean, well, how do I know if he's first, Jody? If I would just say this, anytime I read his word and I don't want to do something that he says, that's an indicator he's not first. If I read something in the Word and it says, hey, you ought to love your wife as Christ loves the church, and I'm going to be so stubborn as a guy and say, well, you don't understand how she treats me. Think about how the church treats the Lord Jesus. Think about how his bride responded to him when he came to this earth. And ask yourself, what did he do? Well, Jesus suffered. He sacrificed. He gave his life for his church. So husbands, what do we do? You sacrifice for that lady. Whether, I mean, you may think, she's the best thing ever. That's fantastic. But I promise you, if there's no sacrifice, there's no relationship. Maybe it's with your kids right now. I don't know what it is. Anywhere in your life right now, you say, but God, somewhere God is not first. We want to change that today. So right where you are in your seats, I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads just for a moment. You're here today and you say, Pastor Jody, I hear where you're coming from, and you know what? I, I don't think God is first in my life, and I'm not worshiping other gods. It's not like that, but it, it, there is this, this disconnect between me and the Father, and I need to make a change today. If that's you in this room, and you say, that's me, no one's looking around, no one's going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you right now. Would you just simply let me know by just lifting up your hand and saying, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. Anybody else? So before we pray, pray for me, Pastor Jody. It's not that I'm worshiping God's. It's just that I just thank you. I see you. I got you. You can put your hands down. Thank you very much. I'm going to pray, and here's what I just want you to do. is It's just a simple posture of surrender. It, It doesn't mean anything as far as but to you and to God. But would you just take right where you are your hands and just as you're sitting in your seat, just turn your hands upwards like if he's just going to receive a gift. You just turn your hands upwards to God right there. Just sitting in your seat right now, I want you to pray this prayer with me with the whole church. Say, Dear Jesus, I come before you with open hands signifying to you today that I give you my life, I give you anything and everything that might take your place. Dear Lord, I ask you to be first in my life. I put you above all all others. Over everything else, I make you Lord, Jesus Christ, of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, we're so proud of you. Right, church? Give me a hand, would you? We hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, feel free to pay it forward and share this podcast with someone else. Thanks for listening.